Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 198 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by the former heavyweight world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, welcome back on the show, my friend. Hey, how you doing, man? Happy to be here. On again. Yeah, it's brilliant to have you back. Obviously, um, you filled in many, many times for IADS. I feel like we almost, we almost like if if I had enough money, Eddie, I think you deserve like a pay rise from zero to like I don't know, just something substantial. <laughs> You've really helped out, man. I appreciate it, man. You know, but it's all good, man. Like I said, I'm always, always wanna, I'm always happy to help out. With- I appreciate that, Eddie. I really do. Right, let's move on now to the review part of the show. We're going to start here at the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, USA. Um, this this card was a was a Mayweather Promotions card. It was shown out there in the states on on Showtime. Um, no UK TV station picked it up, unfortunately. So we all had to stream it. Um, but yeah, there wasn't really too much to stream, to be honest. Uh, the the main event, the main fight was over before you knew it. Javante Davis, another destruction job. Just two rounds it took him to TKO Ricardo Nunes, who's now 21-3. and um, 22-0 and now, Javante Davis. 21 by knockout. It was a defense of his WBA Super World Super Featherweight title. He instantly called out Tevin Farmer after the... Um, after the fight, and obviously Tevin Farmer also fought on the same night, and he got a win as well. Uh, on the undercard of Javante Davis, we got to see Uriokis Gamboa. Uh, it was actually his 30th win. I, I said it on last week's show, it was kind of the perfect fight for him to look good. He took on Roman Martinez, a guy that's been pretty inactive over the past couple of years. Um, Martinez actually got KO'd in two rounds, so like I say, the two main fights were over very quickly. Um, Gamboa, like I say, 30-2. and two. Roman Martinez, 30-4 and four with three draws. I think that's the end, really, for, for Martinez. I think, um, you know, for Gamboa, at this stage of his career, to get you out of there in that fashion, I mean, that speaks volumes, really, because a lot of people feel like Gamboa should probably think about hanging him up. I think that's a little bit harsh, but, you know, he's... Uh, I feel like he's... I wouldn't say he's flopped since turning professional but um you know he certainly had a few rocky moments there a lot of people losing faith in him uh, moving out now though to the college park uh center in arlington texas usa the final card to mention from last weekend we're going to start with the undercard tremaine williams friend of the show i think he was on last week or the week before um he's now 19 and 0 the mighty midget they call him five foot four. He embraces the nickname. He told me, Joey, I am the best at my weight, um, at super bantamweight. A lot of great fighters there. He believes he is uh, one of the very best in the well, the best in the world. It was actually for the vacant WBO, NABO super bantamweight title and the vacant USBA super bantamweight title. So two new belts there for Tremaine Williams, 19 and 0, a 10 round unanimous decision over Yenifel Vicente, very big puncher. Um, now, 35 and 4 with two draws. This guy had more knockouts than Tremaine Williams actually had fights. Way more knockouts. I think he had 27 knockouts, and Tremaine, like I say, was only 18 fights into his career. Um, very, very obvious and clear winner, Tremaine Williams. Extremely hard to hit. I mean, it was quite entertaining watching him, the movement that he's got. Um, there was a particular period, I can't remember what round it was, and Vicente was just throwing shots from all angles, and (laughs) Tremaine Williams was actually almost taking a knee, ducking some of them, he was jumping, he was moving side to side, it was beautiful, and then the bell went, and Vicente was so frustrated, he threw a shot clearly after the bell that did actually connect, he finally got him in the end, (laughs) but very, very uh, tricky customer, Williams um, certainly has a lot to offer, obviously the one bad thing is that he's five foot four, and he's not really a big puncher so 
small guys usually you know it's, it's great for them to be big punchers being a small guy with not that much power that can be quite problematic i think you'd probably agree with that eddie um you know the the small guys if you can't whack it's it's a bit of a problem if you're small and you can whack fair enough if you're tall and you can't whack fair enough but if if you're two of those things like you can't punch and you're small it can be quite problematic when you're moving up in in level kind of thing yeah yeah i agree it's uh something that i had to kind of deal with to a degree with my career you know even though i'm a heavyweight and i did i got respect for the most part from you know the fighters i've fought you know it's not like they were uh walking me down for the most part so i mean i had a certain degree of power but it was never knockout power so and even with that if you're just all skills, a lot of times it's hard to get people to really want to watch you. So, yep, it's tough. It certainly is tough. And talking of um, lots of skills and not everyone wanting to watch, Tevin Farmer, a defense successful of his IBF World Super Featherweight title in the other corner, Guilami Frenoir, now 46-2 and two with one draw. Obviously, Frenoir, we've talked about it before, very, very padded record. It wasn't really a fight that I was super-duper looking forward to watching. Um, obviously, Tevin Farmer was going to win very easily, and he did. And, um, you know, I had to drop that in there, um, you know, about having all the skills and not everyone wanting to watch because the crowd erupted in booze when Tevin Farmer started his post-fight interview in the ring with Chris Mannix. Um, I was a bit surprised, really. I mean, Farmer did put on a punch-perfect display. Um, it was a typical Tevin Farmer performance, really. I mean, we we come to expect that. You see nice, silky skills and a and a wide, dominating win, and it was just exactly what I expected it would be. So I'm not quite sure why uh, why fans were booing that, but it was what it was. Another another win for him. I think he's going to be out at some point later on in the year. But we do want to see that that uh, that that unification with Javante Davis uh, topping the bill on on that card. I should mention. Jose Carlos Ramirez now twenty five and oh it was a unification fight for his WBC uh, world title and Maurice Hooker's WBO Hooker went into the bout also undefeated twenty six and oh with three draws uh, at the time of the stoppage by the way one judge had it a draw I believe that was Jesse Reyes forty seven forty seven um, Ramon Cardan had it forty nine forty five in favor of of Ramirez and Juan Carlos Pelano had it uh, 48-46 so two judges uh, were actually favoring Ramirez there and um, the other judge like I say had it had it a draw going into the sixth and final round where the TKO came for Jose Carlos Ramirez um, obviously the the score probably looked a little bit wider because there was a 10-8 round in the very first round um, Ramirez was was clearly standing on Hooker's foot as he hit him, and it kind of made him stagger backwards. So it was a bad call from the referee, but I only spotted it myself on the replay. So did the uh, the commentators. So uh, can't really blame the referee too much. But um, yeah, Hooker kept finishing rounds quite strongly. I felt like Ramirez would do well in the very you know the very first kind of part of the round, and then as the round would go on to the second half, Hooker would take over, and that's very smart boxing. There, you'd you'd expect him to be stealing, uh, just stealing rounds because it's so fresh in the mind of the judges. But apparently, not really. When you look at the cards, um, you know, I felt like it was quite a fifty-fifty kind of fight up until the stoppage. Ramirez uh, was was throwing some excellent body shots. He's obviously got a real exciting style, and Hooker. You know, when he let his hands go in combinations, it, it is very eye-catching. He looks very dangerous. And, uh, yeah, obviously it was a 50-50 fight on paper going in. And, to me, it really did look like that. And then, like I say, in the sixth and final round, uh, wow. I mean, the pair were trading and Hooker was a little bit slow coming back to protect his chin. And, boom, the perfect left hook started the trouble, really, for Hooker. And Ramirez just jumped on him and forced the stoppage. And it was a good stoppage from the referee. Um you know, Ramirez was landing clean shots at will as Hooker was pinned on the ropes. And I feel like one or two more shots like that and Hooker would have actually been knocked unconscious. So it was good to see the referee jump in at what I felt was the perfect moment. He was still, you know, he was still, um, you know, still conscious. He, he knew what was going on. He knew where he was, but he admitted afterwards the stoppage was the right thing to do. He even come out and said, you know, two guys died the other week and I didn't want for that to be me and I felt like the referee stopped it at the very right time so I I really appreciate his honesty there but yeah 
you know, a very good, very good win for Jose Carlos Ramirez. He collects another piece of hardware at that world level. He's now got two of the four, and obviously, uh, we're, we're hoping that he takes on the winner of Regis Progray and Josh Taylor. We will see yet again another, another undisputed world champion at 140. Obviously, the last one being uh, Terence Crawford. It'd be fantastic if all four belts can end up with one man so quickly. Uh, that'd be quite cool. We, we we like one champion, really, one proper champion per division, and we don't often get it. So to get it twice in the 140 division within a few years is is very impressive. Hopefully that does happen. Hopefully politics don't get in the way. Um, but that's about everything for the review part of the show, really. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning IBF Super Featherweight World Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Tevin Farmer. Tevin, welcome back on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, mate. It's always a pleasure, mate. Um, happy birthday, Tevin, for yesterday. Obviously, we were we were going to try to do the interview yesterday, but our times didn't really uh, work out so much. I was actually going to sing you happy birthday, but thankfully, I don't have to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> So you still got to sing it. Nah, thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> kind of busy yesterday. No, I, I can imagine for sure. So, Tevin, like I say, we last spoke back in May. Um, at the time, you just revealed that you'd be taking on Frenoir in your next fight. Obviously, the fight happened on the weekend. Please just talk us through it from your perspective. It was pretty. It, 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 it was. It was a hell of a fight, you know. I went out there, did what I had to do, got the job done, and you know, on to the next. Absolutely, and obviously, Tevin. After the fight, um, I was shocked to hear some of the some of the boos coming from the crowd. Did it surprise you at all? No, Texas Texas fans they just go there just for entertainment. They they don't know nothing about boxing. Okay, okay, yeah. Because in my opinion, I mean, you just really put on a punch perfect performance, and I sometimes dislike the way boxing is becoming more of a business than a sport because, you know, people said that Floyd Mayweather was boring. People said that Vladimir Klitschko was boring. But two things that they did have in common was uh, they they were able to dominate for over 10 years and they both made multiple millions. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. Right. They called both of them boring. Floyd boring. Vladimir Brown, but they both made a lot of millions. Exactly. And they, and, and, and they both um, boxed, for, boxed for a lot of years. Yeah, dominated for a lot of years, for sure. Now, on the same night as you, Tevin, obviously your arch-rival, Javante Davis, also boxed. He got a second-round KO win against Ricardo Nunes. Did you happen to watch the fight back at all? I haven't seen the fight at all. Okay, okay. Not yet. Okay. And obviously in the ring, I know that you're aware that he, he, he called you out. Floyd Mayweather after the fight said that the fight should end up on pay-per-view. Eddie obviously has sent a bunch of offers to their team. It doesn't seem like it's going to be an easy fight to make. It's undoubtedly though, Tevin, the biggest fight that can be made in the super featherweight division. Um, do you think it'll ever actually happen though? Um, No, I don't think the fight's going to happen. I don't feel like Floyd's going to let the fight happen. Floyd felt like I had the best defense in the game. Floyd was a defensive fighter. He knew that defense wouldn't fight. It's a shame, like I say, if that fight doesn't end up getting made, it's a shame. But you will box one more time um, before the year's out, obviously. Um, you know, you've been very active, Tevin, but most of your opponents haven't really had a massive profile in the States. And like I say, after the fight, you mentioned yourself in, in the ring four names. Davis, that we just spoke about, Jamel Herring, Miguel Burchell, and Joseph Diaz. They are all big names. Do you believe we will see you box one of those guys mentioned there later this year? Um, I think the most, I think the one that I might box, the, the biggest chance is Jojo Diaz. Yeah, that's the fight that, that's the fight that I'm, I'm, I'm picking that. If the, if, the, if the unification fights don't get made, I'm definitely going to pick those fights, that fight. Because obviously these last few opponents that you've had, Tevin, I'm guessing you probably didn't know too much about them when you signed to fight them. Does, does Joseph Diaz kind of bring that extra push from yourself? Like, you know, gives you that extra kind of boost that you need to fight a guy like that? No, <laughs> I'm always I, I'm always excited about whoever I fight. Yeah, that's the way to be, man. Um, yeah. I feel like I play every I feel like every fighter is dangerous. I don't feel like a certain fighter should be t- taking more serious than others. I feel like if you if you train for a fight, you, you, you should take every you should take everybody serious. That's champion talk. Um, and, and which of those guys, the four names that you mentioned, which one would you personally love to fight most? Politics aside, Javante Davis. 
Yeah, yeah, I thought you'd say that. Javante Davis. I thought you said that. That's what I mean. It's a shame. Hopefully the fight does get made. I know that your team's trying to do everything that they can, and it takes obviously two to make. Yeah, a fight. but it's not. It's not about. It's not about what my team going to do. Everything, everything to make it make it work. If the other team don't want to take it, then the fight won't happen. That's that's the thing. Yeah, it's not. We already did everything possible. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, it takes two to tango. Um, Tevin, ideally, when would you be fighting next? What month are you looking at? I'm guessing probably like November time? November. Yeah, okay, okay. And obviously, like I mentioned, it was your birthday yesterday. I want to ask you, Tevin, uh, what is on your kind of boxing birthday wish list? What do you want to try and achieve before you turn 30 next year? Uh, I don't know. Whatever God got planned for me, that's what I'm trying to achieve. Um, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't put, I don't put time on anything, especially success, because success got to come when it comes. You can't, there's no time limit on it. So, um, I sit back and wait my time, you know, wait my turn, and whatever happens, happens, you know. I'm just grateful and thankful for it. Absolutely. And Tevin, as always, I like to just throw you uh, the, the microphone kind of thing and let you say whatever you like to our listeners just before we let you go. Have you got any closing words? Yeah, I would like for everyone to tune into my YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel called Life is Seven Farmer, and basically, you um, it's showing a different side of me, a side that not many get to see. You know, it's showing the side outside of boxing. So, um, I think people, I think people will, will really love it. So, they can tune in Life is Seven Farmer, L I F E A S Seven Farmer T V I N F A R M E R. Tune in, um, go subscribe and watch the videos. Nigga, follow me on Instagram um, at um, Tevin Farmer Twenty Two. Okay, life of Tevin Farmer, or li- life as Tevin Farmer, do you say? Yes, life, life as, as Tevin Farmer. Yeah, because it's interesting. Because Eddie Hearn, someone asked him a question the other week, and they said, "If you could." It was a really funny question. They said, if you could choose, I think it was four boxers to have your back in a street fight, who would it be? And he was saying people like Tony Bell, you, you know, big guys. And then he named Tevin Farmer in that four, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, because he know Eddie Hearns, though, I'm a real, uh, he know, he know besides, besides boxing, you know, I'm a good dude, but he knows Tevin Farmer is going to rock out. You know, I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm down. I'm down for it. I'm with the shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know. I didn't even hear. I didn't even know about that. What, what was this? Day? I want to see. It. Yeah, it was an IFL TV interview, and um, yeah, they said which four guys would you would you have in in your corner in the street if it was going to really kick off? And I know that he said Carl Froch. I know that he said Tony Bellew. There was one other guy. I can't remember who it was. And then he said Tevin Farmer. And uh, he, he said, yeah, I know Tevin's got my back kind of thing. It was funny because it, it shocked a lot of people when he said that name. We're expecting all all the guys to be heavyweights and stuff, you know? <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a beast. I'm a beast. I'm a beast. I'm a beast. <laughs> yeah, I'm a beast. I know this, yeah, Tevin. Yeah, I, 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 I need you to send me that. I need you to send me that. I need you to send me that. The link, I will. Yeah, the link. Send me that I link, will do, man. Tevin. But listen, it is always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Congrats once again on your win from the weekend, and I'm sure that we'll speak again real soon. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start with the first piece here. Huey Fury. Eddie, a man that you've obviously spent many, 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 many hours in the gym with, he has now signed a promotional contract with Eddie Hearn's Matrim Sports. So um, that's that's a good move for him, really, Eddie, when you think about it, because obviously he's been under Mick Hennessy for a long time, and then I think he was with Frank Warren for, for a little while. It didn't really seem to work out. It was kind of when Tyson, um, I believe, was it when he first sort of went with, with Warren? Am I getting that wrong? Was he with, he was with Frank for a while, wasn't he, Eddie? Or am I making that? Up. No, uh, Tyson and you. Yeah. We're all, we're all actually, there we all were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to a degree, more, you know what I mean? So, yeah. You're right, you're on point. No, but yeah, um, you know, and then he obviously sort of had the tie with Mick Hennessy, who'd, who'd been there really from day one promotionally. And then last time out, he was on yeah. that bizarre card against Sam Peter in Saudi Arabia. So that was kind of the last, um, the last piece of bizarreness, I suppose, with 
with Huey Fury, but no, he's had decent opportunities still to get Joseph Parker to come over to here uh, for, for, for Mick Hennessy to, to do that. I felt like that was a brilliant move for Huey Fury, a fight I felt like he probably did enough to win, but yeah, he's now with Eddie Hearn, so it seems like you know it's going to be up and up and up from here, really, so a good move for him. I agree. I mean, now you got an opportunity to fight even more guys. The best are, are, are out there and are available, and it's definitely a good move for you. Yeah, I like to get to see him in there with the best guys. Yeah, not to mention how deep the heavyweight stable is now with Matram. There's lots and lots of guys there. Moving on properly, though, to the second piece of news, Huey Fury's fight has also been announced. Um, I've wanted to kind of do it separately. Obviously, you know, the first piece of news being that he signed with Eddie Hearn, but the fight has now been announced. It's going to be Alexander Povetkin, August the 31st at London's O2 Arena um, on the undercard of Lomachenko against our very own Luke Campbell. So that one seems like it's going to be a great card and obviously it's a tough 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 test there for Huey Fury against Povetkin um, obviously uh, Huey's two losses have come at the very top level against Pulev on points and against Parker like I said a fight which really I felt he did enough but again two points defeats against real good fighters and Povetkin is certainly certainly not done just yet so this is probably his toughest fight actually because um, there's a lot of people out there that rank Povetkin above Parker and they'd rank him above Pulev so this could potentially be his toughest fight and um, what better what better man really to ask about it than you Eddie um, it seems like Huey's starting to box all your old opponents obviously Sam Peter last time and this time Povetkin he's trying to beat all the guys that you boxed <laughs> well I think you know he got a little inside track with me being over there no 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 it's nothing like that but anyway <laughs> you know Huey like uh, we talked about it before he's been a uh, Topic, uh, topic conversation for us a few times. You know, he's a young fighter, extremely young. He's getting a little bit older now, but he still has a lot of time ahead of him. He's still, he's still learning. I mean, every you know, at this stage, he's still learning. Um, and yeah, I do agree, Joe. This is probably going to be his toughest fight to date. You know, what I mean, even with you know Joseph Parker and Pulev, two very, very top level guys. I think Povetkin has the you know experience. Uh, not saying anything else, Joe. I don't have experience, but Ovechkin has real, uh, real wealth of knowledge in boxing. I mean, his, his amateur background and everything that, that goes along with that on top of him being just one of the top fighters for the last, what, 10 years. So it's been it's a lot of it's a lot of time he has and a lot of experience he has. So he's going into uh, a really, really uh, tough situation. But he has the ability, the skill set, and uh, the fortitude to handle it. I don't, I don't think that it's impossible for him to win this fight by any means. I feel like he has just as much of a chance to win as anyone else in this position. You know what I mean? As a top-level fighter. So. And I feel like him being able to win this fight now really gets him in the conversation again for a title. You know what I mean? Obviously, we thought that, you know, he, he probably should have pulled it out against uh, Joseph Parker, but didn't happen. And, you know what I mean? That, those types of things are going to happen. But with his experience now and fighting for Vecchi, if he's able to get this win, I feel like the title's like he's knocking on the door of the title and possibly going to uh, snatch one up too. So it's going to be a good look for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see that he's still ascending. And I feel like at, at some point he's going to be a world champion. Yeah, that's what I mean. A lot of people forget he's only 24 still, I believe. And, um, you know, obviously if Povetkin does lose to him, um, Povetkin's only got the two losses, I believe, which was obviously Klitschko and Joshua. So losing to Huey Fury at 24 years of age is just about the best win, really. Like I say, that, that you know, Huey can, can kind of draw together at, at this period of his career right now. So it will be a massive statement if he wins, but it's a big if. Uh, moving over now, though, to the preview part of the show. This one happens... Uh, tomorrow night at the Exhibition Centre in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. Let's start with the undercard. Um, friend of the show, Robbie Davies Jr., 18-1. and one. Uh, He's in an eight-rounder, no opponent just yet, so a TBA there. Also on the bill, Kez Ashfak, 6-0. He's in an eight-rounder against Sean Davis, who's 14-3. Uh, Martin Ilunga Bacoli is his matchroom debut. He takes on Talo Perea, um, Who's who's eleven and four with two draws? I've seen him in, I believe, with one or two other guys. Uh, also on the bill, Lewis Ritson, eighteen and one. It's a real shame because he was supposed to be taking on Joe Hughes, but Joe Hughes has had to pull out the fight, so no replacement opponent just yet. That's a ten rounder there against TBA. 
Sean McGoldrick, 9-0. He takes on Thomas Asomba, who's 8-5. He's a lot better than his record suggests, Asomba. Um, he gave a great a great account of himself when he took on uh, Lee McGregor. I uh, was there for that one. That was on the undercard, actually, I believe, of, of Bacoli Hunter. Uh, that's a 10-rounder there, by the way. And top in the build now, uh, Anthony Fowler, 9-1. and one. It's for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Middleweight title. He takes on Brian the Lion Rose, former opponent, actually, of Demetrius Andrade. He's now 31-5 and five with one draw. Um, I hate to say it because I like Brian Rose. He's a friend of the show. So is Anthony Fowler, by the way. So I made a best man win, but I just feel like Anthony Fowler um, with his aggressive style and Brian Rose just a bit too long in the tooth now. I don't think he's beaten anyone with a winning record for almost three years, I think it's been. And he's been a little bit inactive as well in that time. I just think it's it's all wrong for him, really. I think he gets demolished by stoppage quite early on, but I hope I'm wrong there. Uh, moving out now, though, to the Marquee Falls Park in, in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, it's going to be on BT Sport. It's also getting some... Uh, some international interest. It's going to be on ESPN Plus, top in the bill. Uh, the the Irish darling, if you like, Michael Conlon, eleven and zero. He's in a ten rounder against Diego Ruiz, who's twenty one and two. Again, they were trying to get um, Conlon to to fight Nicotin. Nicotin didn't fancy it. It's for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Featherweight title and the WBO Intercontinental Featherweight title. So Conlon will be moving up those rankings uh, right there. Uh, also on the bill, Paddy Barnes returns to the ring. I think it's probably the first fight back since he lost um, out in the States, and he looked horrible. His record 5-2. and two. He's in a six-rounder, no opponent just yet. Also on the card, Dennis McCann, um, a Frank Warren prospect, I believe. Um, I think he's with Frank Warren, but um, he's been on a couple of undercards. He's looked really, really good. I've heard from inside sources that he is the real deal. Apparently, he's excellent in the gym. He's in a six-rounder against Georgie and Donov, who's 5-14, and 14, still learning really on the job, I suppose, McCann. Uh, also on the bill, we get to see Sean McComb, 7-0, and 0, take on Reynold Garrido, 24-24, and 24, with three draws. But Garrido, um, I think his nickname's the Lionheart. He really does come with the Lion's Heart. Very, very tough guy. Never an easy night when you're fighting him. That's an eight-rounder there. Um, Paddy Gallagher, 16-5, and 5, takes on Chris Jenkins for Jenkins' British welterweight title, but also the vacant Commonwealth straps on the line. Jenkins, 21-3 and 3, with two draws, coming off that win over Johnny Garton, which was a brilliant fight, by the way, Jenkins. Very, very good fighter. Um, and the very intriguing fight for me on the bill, Luke Keeler, 16-2 and 2 with one draw. I've said it before. He really reminds me of Joe Calzaghe, even though he's obviously not as good, but the style is very similar in my opinion. He takes on Luis Arias. It's a very weird one. Obviously, Luis Arias, friend of the show, 18-1 and one with one draw. That one loss came to Daniel Jacobs. Um, Arias, again, a bit of a strange one. He was... He was completely demolishing opponents looking really really good and then he lost to Jacobs he, he was horrible that night in all fairness I think he'll be the first one to admit that and then he got in there with Gabe Rosado and it was a real close fight that was where he got his draw and a lot of people felt like Rosado should have actually got the decision really so uh, Luis Arias seems like he's um, you know seems like he's kind of going downhill um, after that loss to Jacobs, but we shall see. It'll be a good one there against Keeler. I'm really intrigued by that one. Moving out now, though, to the Bobby Miller Center in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, USA. Um, return of former 140 world champion Julius Indongo. He was a he was a unified champion. 22-2, and two, he returns for the first time since losing in about two rounds, I think it was, to Regis Progre. Uh, he takes on Carl Tavius Jones Johnson, who's 4-1. and one. Complete mismatch, but Indongo has, has, uh, has been out of the ring for about a year and a half. And now the final card to mention. I'm going to be coming to you quite a bit here, Eddie. It's happening at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA, Saturday night on Fox TV. Um, on the undercard, let's start with Curtis Stevens, 30-6. and six. That's a 10-rounder against Wow Omatoso, who's 27-4. and four. But the two main fights for me, Adam Kalnaki, 19-0. Strong rumors of him at some point getting the Deontay Wilder fight. There was a little period where he, I think he was offered the Joshua fight. Um, but 
you know, he's not fighting anyone of that caliber just now. He's taking on Chris Ariola, 38 and 5 with one draw. Chris Ariola, I think, coming off a good win against an undefeated prospect, I believe it was, or something like that, in his last fight. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been a quite a while really since Ariola's took on anyone. Um, of of the level of Kaunaki, a young, hungry lion, undefeated, can be a bit of a nightmare style because he's obviously a big guy and he hits, you know, very, very hard and he throws many, many shots. He's like a, I want to say he's like an Andy Ruiz Jr., but that's kind of unfair to say because Ruiz is the heavyweight champion of the world. Kaunaki may not be that good, but you know what I mean. He's, he's, he's deceptive, his body shape and his fighting style. Actually, I would, I would actually have... Gave him comparisons to actually a younger Chris Ariola, to be honest. I mean, it's a little bit. Isn't that funny how, how, how that works out? I, think, I don't think he has the speed of Andy Ruiz or even the skills, but he, but he definitely has the, the business and the focus and the determination of an Ariola, so, you know, early on. So, I mean, that's a very interesting fight. Depending on, obviously, what Ariola has left, I don't think he can have enough to deal with this kid, to be honest. This kid is busy, and he's, uh, he does punch pretty good. And he's he's extremely tough, so he's going to keep coming. However, that's you know that would, that should actually work to Ariola's favor. But like I said, it just all depends on what he has up in the tank. And to be honest, you know it doesn't look great. I mean, obviously he looked good against in his last fight, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to translate to this one. Kitty Paul was uh you know a little young, you know what I mean? Didn't have a lot of experience as far as I as far as I know. I mean, it was just you know it was just one of those situations. He got a good win. Not taking anything away from him, from that. And, you know, the kid he fought, I actually is somebody I know, and a good friend of mine, but you know, the kid was actually had skill. I thought he was going to do really well, but he ended up getting caught. Uh, you know, that, that's him. But uh, this is, like I said, a very interesting matchup. But, like, it all depends on Ariola and what he has left in the tank. Yeah. It could be interesting for a couple of rounds if it even goes that far. I think I, think I can see Kalnaki just just jumping on him early, really, but he does kind of have to be careful, because Ariola, I mean, for, for, for the, I don't want to say for the disrespect I'm giving him, because I'm not giving him disrespect, but for the, for the negativity I perhaps just said about him, he, he really does know how to finish guys, and I've seen him, like the way he, uh, the way he finished, um, Seth Mitchell, I'll never forget that, he demolished him, and it was one of the, uh, yeah. you know, one of the most savage, kind of one or two round fights I've ever seen really because he just went after him it was like a bull you know like like a crazy bull he he, he knows how to fight and uh, he fights with a lot of emotion and passion you know he's he's a tough tough guy if he's up for it that that's what I will say if he's up for it that's a big if um, main the main event over here though Eddie the final fight really to mention um, Marcus Brown 23 and0 he defends his interim WBA world light heavyweight title and there's the WBC silver light heavyweight title on the line I'm not quite sure if that's his belt or Jean Pascal's belt but it doesn't really matter the winner takes everything there Jean Pascal 33 and 6 with one draw obviously fight number 41 for Jean Pascal Um, again another guy that He's really at the tail end of his career. I actually think he retired for like a couple months and then came back. Um, he's coming off that loss to Dimitri Bivol just under a year ago now. Um, yeah, another guy that's at the tail end of his career. And like we saw when Marcus Brown took on Badu Jack, he's relentless, he's right. tough, he, he, he's very big for light heavy. And uh, I just think he's going to probably be too much, really, for, for Jean Pascal. I don't really see Jean Pascal being able to keep Marcus Brown off of him. That's the way I see it. How do you see it? Yeah, at, uh, at this stage in his career, and it happens to all fighters, Father Time is undefeated. So no matter what, even if you've been great, you've done great things. I mean, you see great, the great Bernard Hopkins you know, suffer defeat, you know, by a guy who probably wouldn't have been much of a challenge for him at a, at a better time in his career. But... Um, you know, like I said, it's all it's all depending on what these guys have left. You know, I mean, Pascal at one point was a really really tough competitor. Was probably one of the, the the toughest guys you know out there at his at his weight, which is at the uh, seventy five pound limit, the one seventy five pound limit at one point. But time is uh time is uh starting to creep up in there. You know what I mean? It's coming to the point where he's really at the end. You know what I mean? He's gonna have to if he has one more limp in him, I guess this should be this should be the one. You know what I mean? 
we're looking at Marcus Brown. Marcus Brown is, you know, a good stage in his career, obviously, you know, enters prime. He's, he's um, got, a, you know, he's got the background, the amateur background, talented guy. You know, I, I mean, I expect, I expect good things from him, and I expect him to, uh, I expect him to win the fight. To be honest, I don't know if he's going to stop him, because you know, you got, you know, Jean Pascal is proud and tough. You know what I mean? But at the same time, uh, you know, Marcus Brown, like I said, is at, is at a real high in his career. He got a world title. And you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, well said. I, I'm kind of unsure of if he's gonna, if he's gonna get the stoppage or not, Marcus Brown. I think he will dominate though, uh, massively. And I just think the size is going to be a problem, and the activity really uh, that Marcus Brown, uh, you know, puts out his, his output and stuff like that. And uh, I just think it's going to be too much really for Pascal at this stage of his career. So I kind of agree there with a lot of what you're saying Eddie um, but that really is everything for the for the preview part of the show um, obviously Eddie I would just want to thank you once again for helping out on this week's show you've done it many times like I say you're you're almost part of the furniture now you've you've spent so many hours helping me out with this and uh, you're you're really a massive part of the show you're like the unsung hero of this podcast so thanks once again for helping out I like that man I appreciate it man it's, it's, like I said it's no problem man, for me to help you out if, if that's what I'm doing, you know, because sometimes I get my little stutter on and it's all sound too good, so I don't want to, I don't want to mess up the show, you know what I mean? But uh, no, it's, it's it's been a fun thing. I've been enjoying it, and uh, anytime you call me, you know, what I mean, I'm always ready to go. There we go. Eddie Chambers, very much part of the Box Hard Podcast. You can go on his Wikipedia page, and it will say that he that he regularly uh, regularly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a staple of the. Uh, I don't even know if that's, if that's a good word. <laughs> a regular, a regular. Um, I want to say. Go on. Go ahead. No, go on. Go, go on. You, you I still on. haven't got the word. <laughs> hey, it is a lie. To be honest, I'm sitting there like, damn, I didn't get the word either. But well, let's just say I'm a regular. On the podcast, how about oh, that? That's, I'm a that's regular. Better. That's way better. A regular, a regular panelist on the podcast. We'll have that. Yeah, we go. Thank you very much, Eddie. Like I say, just before we wrap up part two and finally end the show, we've tried to whisk through everything as quick as possible this week. We've tried to keep the chat into a minimal. Just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the top heavyweight contender. It is the people's champ. It is, of course, Mr. Michael Hunter. Mike, welcome back on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> my pleasure, Mike. Doing? My pleasure. Uh, obviously, we last spoke back in May, so not too long ago. It was just before your fight against Fabio Maldonado, a man that could seriously bang. And uh, obviously, the guy took Oscar Rivas the distance. We saw him recently against Dillian White. But talk to me. You were the first man to stop Maldonado. Talk me through the fight. Oh, man. it was uh, That was actually the uh, plan to do so. Uh, we we talked about it with my team, my coach Rock, and um, you know uh, you never know really how these fights are gonna go. That's why they have them. So uh, I know the dude was a tough, durable opponent. Uh, I wasn't really expecting to knock him out so fast, but um, you know I, I trained really hard for the fight, and uh, I, you know I studied I studied uh, a lot of his uh, movements and stuff like that, and. And what he was kind of uh, his uh, what do you call it his weaknesses, and um, you know I, I noticed that you know and I'm a jabber so I noticed that he he really uh, couldn't get away from the jab that's what I noticed the most so uh, I just used that as a stepping stool and uh, continued to capitalize on that but after that the right the right hand came behind it and I was able to get a good one two in and uh, he didn't really see the the, the the uh, backhand behind the, the jab, and uh, I think that's what kind of started it all off. And um, obviously, you know, when somebody gets kind of hurt, uh, you know, you got to get a surge of energy. And uh, I knew right there I wasn't going to be able, I wasn't going to let him off the hook. So I knew, I, I knew once I heard him at that point that it wasn't going to take me too much longer. <laughs> and it certainly didn't. And obviously, your next fight uh, was announced this week. There's no exact date just yet, but uh, we do know it'll be happening in September. You'll be taking on the undefeated Russian Sergei Kuzmin. What do you know about him, Mike? Uh, oh man, I know he has an extensive, good, uh, great uh, amateur background. 
he's beat a lot of uh, decent guys that are, you know, in the uh, pros and that are up and coming and um, doing well for themselves. So uh, he has a lot of, um, kind of like myself, I've been in the ring with a lot of different uh, fighters and um, that people do not know about. So he, I think he's kind of like that. He's a, a kind of an under, underrated underdog kind of type of fighter. Uh, so it'll be an underdog versus an underdog, which is uh, always makes for a good dog fight. <laughs> and um, again, since we last spoke, quite a lot of things have happened in the heavyweight division. Joshua lost to Andy Ruiz uh, a week after you fought. Um, so yeah, we haven't spoke since then. What was your what was your initial thoughts on that? Obviously, a guy um, in in Andy Ruiz that you know, um, you know, way better than a lot of people do. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I've competed with Andy before, and I've sparred with him on numerous occasions. Uh, we're both from the West Coast and the same area. Um, I told people in other interviews um, that this was not going to be you no know, pushover. He was not going to lay down. You know, he has Mexican blood. Comes from that long line of warriors, um, so uh, and and he has you know people think that just because of his size and his weight uh, that he they were gonna just you know and then they're looking at Anthony Joshua and and, and, and Andrew Ruiz and the physique on him. Uh, people thought that this was gonna be an easy push a uh, fight that he was just gonna win and he was being set up, but you know the dude has. He's been boxing. He has a lot of boxing experience. He has more experience than Anthony Joshua as far as fighting uh, amateurs and um, fighting in these uh, tournaments and stuff like that. He's been fighting for quite some time. And uh, so he, he and he's always fought at that size. That was another thing that um, I tried to explain, that it's not like he was a, a skinny guy and he got out of shape or something. That would have been a little different. But he fights at that size, so... Um, I think it was just a little mistake on the promotional uh, part in the matchmaking. And um, I think it's going to be very hard for uh, Anthony to win his belt back. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people kind of uh, having the same views as you there, Mike. Um, again, you were one of, the, one of the names in the hat to get that fight. Um, how would, in your honest opinion, how would that fight have played out if it was you in that ring on June the 1st um, obviously I'm not expecting you to you know you to kind of think it would go the exact same way because obviously there was a real turning point point when um, when Ruiz got knocked down that was where everything went wrong for Joshua even though he managed to score a knockdown but you I don't believe would, would, would think that you'd actually get knocked down with that shot by Joshua so how would the fight have played out real long question <laughs> And yeah, I, I just don't think there would have been a turning point. I just think it would have been a gradual uh, butt whooping. <laughs> and um, I think I might have got him out a little later because of the turning point. I think that was a very pivotal moment uh, for for the uh, fight. So I think it would have took me just a little bit longer uh, to get him out of there. But I think I would have uh, I would have definitely stopped him though. Yeah. I like I like your view there. Quite honest that you're you're saying that you'd get the job done, but perhaps a little bit later. I know that you know that's that's your true thoughts. Um, we saw a fight the other week. Um, I don't really want to talk about the controversy that was attached to it, but Dillian White against Rivas again, another guy in Rivas that you know well that you'd beaten in the amateurs. Um, what did you make of that fight? I mean, I know that you watched it. Um, White boxed pretty well. Again, I want to try and steer away from the controversy that follows it because we're not quite sure about the, the actual details, but what did you make of it? Um, I thought it was a, a decent um, performance by, by Dillian. I thought... Uh... You know, the pace suited uh, Dillian White. Uh, I thought the pace suited him. Uh, you know, Rivas, he doesn't throw a lot of punches. He throws a lot of hard punches, but very few. You know, and he's a lot shorter. You know, he's kind of big and bulky. So I thought, the, you know, it was a, a good fight for Dillian to win. You know, uh, the only, uh, you know, upside I think I would have gave, uh, you know, uh, Rivas is that he has a lot more amateur experience. So, you know, that that goes a long ways uh, to me, especially because, you know, I've been in the amateurs and stuff. So um, uh, I kind of, you know, you kind of know that he's not going to, he wasn't going to be pushed over or, or, you know, just ran over. But I think that was a good display and a good matchup for Dillian to display his boxing ability and which he kind of, and he did that, you know, he used the jab 
He uses distance. Uh, he got surprisingly he got uh, dropped. You know, I kind of forgot what he got hit with, but it was an uppercut. Uh, yes, it was. Yep, you're right. And uh, I think um, I think if if, if Rivas would have been a little more active, it would have played out a little different. I just think uh, it was more Rivas losing than Dillian winning. That's my opinion. Hmm. Another fight that I'm sure kind of interests you from a, you know, from from that hunter perspective is a fight that we've 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 heard just been made. Huey Fury against Alexander Povetkin, a very weirdish kind of fight, but I really like the sound of it. I'm sure you do too. How do you see that one playing out, Mike? That's that's funny you say that. That's that's kind of usually I have a good um, idea of you know how the fight would would go, but. Like you said, I'm kind of thrown off about the matchup. I actually like the two names going up against each other. I'm pretty sure nobody's going to dispute that. But actually, in the fight, in trying to think of how this will play out a little bit, um, it's kind of – there's a lot of different um, holes there, you know. Uh, You know, we have um, Huey, who's real – he's wiry, cagey, and – you know, he has great, uh, I mean, to be so young, he's very uh, durable, you know, and he has a great chin, and he comes from that, uh, you know, that hard fighting family uh, of the Fury, so he's not going to lay down at, at in no time, so, um, and I think he's very confident that he could beat him, you know, uh, Vivekian's uh, smaller, shorter guy, he's getting older now, um, and I think, uh, and I think it was a, it's a good matchup, I think Vivekian, he feels like, you know, he has the more experience and this was a good fight for him to pick. Uh, this would be a good fight for him to, uh, you know, get back on the scene and actually get a, another giant fight. Um, Cause this is like a, this is a big fight for him. Um, I don't know about the money as, as wise, but uh, I know that the fight uh, is not an easy fight. And I know he, he's not looking at it as an easy fight. So I, I'm very excited to see it because it's, it's a mystery, I think. And that's what uh, everybody's kind of, uh, thinking about this fight, I, I'm not sure. I haven't even heard anybody give too many predictions or, or how it would go. And uh, usually, like I said, I have a, usually a, a good prediction or a way I can kind of see, foretell how the fight is going to go. But like you said, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of at loss for uh, ideas on, on this one. So I'm, I'm I'm excited to see it because it has it has a lot of darkness into it. Tyson Fury. They're still looking for an American opponent. I believe that top rank insists that his next opponent should be an American. I think that's that's probably a good idea. But who should it be? Because there's well, lots and lots of names flying around. Charles Martin, stuff like that. Who do you me? Yeah, but is it gonna? Can that happen with the with you know with the promotional clashes and that between Frank well, and Eddie? No, not really. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I can always wish and hope. But um. I, you know, I mean, it's not it's not um, impossible, but uh, likely no. Uh, I, I heard it was going to be Charles Martin. Um, I, I I could see that fight happening. Um, you know, Charles is kind of he put on a poor performance fighting uh, Anthony, but this dude, I, I'll say it again. You know, I I know a lot of these guys. I've with him I've been in I've trained with him I fought these guys um he's uh what do you call it it's a word it's like he's a back and forth he, he you know you never kind of know which what Martin is going to come so he's not he he's a strong he's a strong big strong southpaw uh, and you know mostly southpaws are, are kind of uh, uh boxers more of a boxer so I think uh th- that would be a great fight to see uh, I would be interested in watching it uh, as long as definitely Martin comes out uh, with the right mindset and he has the right training and, and you know, he, um, you know, uh, actually puts his intentions in the training and, and he comes with it. Uh, I think it would be an interesting fight. I would, I would, I would watch it. Um, you know, they, people would, you know, because of the Anthony Joshua fight, they're always going to look, they're going to look over him. But I would tell you that this is not a, a fighter that you should look over. At all, the dude is very heavy-handed. Uh, he's naturally heavy-handed. He's a big boy, and um, he's been he used to watch me box all the time. Uh, you know, he, he 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 likes it. He loves what he does. He likes that stuff. He likes to fight. 
So, um, you know, you know, like you said, the, the performance for the Anthony Joshua, you know, it might have been too fast, too soon, and uh, just very, uh, you know, too big. You know, they had 80,000 fans in front of them and, you know, in a different environment. Uh, but, you know, he's a little more seasoned now. He's fought a couple more times. You know, he's went through that experience. So I, I think that would be a good matchup for him. Uh, I don't really know other any other names that they're throwing out there. But, um, yeah, I would like him to see. You know, I would like him to see. I would like that fight. Yeah, I mean, there aren't many names. That's the problem. I mean, the other name that I've heard mentioned because he got a decent win the other week was Gerald Washington. So I think that's that's okay. But um, yeah, just to just to also throw in when when Joshua fought Martin, it was at the O2. So there was only about twenty thousand people there. But yeah. Um, Oh, oh. <laughs> that's cool. Um, Mike, uh, yeah, the, the, the last real thing, as always, I throw it over to you to just have a final say if you've got anything that you want to get off your chest at all before I let you go. Any any closing message to the fans? Take it away. The floor is yours. Um, watch me in Vegas fight in September. I'll be fighting Sergey Kuzma, and uh, the boy is going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and where, Mike? Where can people can people purchase your your t-shirts and stuff online anywhere? Yeah, you can find it on the link of my bio on my Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm kind of working on getting the website up and stuff like that right now, but uh, it's definitely on the link in my bio um, on my Instagram. Okay, you can follow me, Michael, Michael Bounty Hunter. Uh, the whole thing is spelled out on instagram so follow me michael bounty hunter and michael um what's it what's it on twitter michael hunter ii yeah michael hunter ii okay everyone follow that and of course hit up the bio for those michael hunter t-shirts because believe me they're very very nice but listen mike it is always a pleasure catching up with you my friend you know that best of luck for september and i'm sure that we'll speak sometime after hey thank you uh i always it's always a pleasure being here and i appreciate you uh having me on for the uh podcast box hard podcast is the best podcast to follow and listen and get all the best uh information so continue to listen thank you okay and this wraps up episode 198 of the box hard podcast i've been your host joey coastman the former heavyweight world title challenger eddie chambers has been with me for the duration of the show i'd also like to thank our two guests on this week's show the reigning ibf super featherweight world champion tevin farmer and the top heavyweight contender michael hunter i did forget to mention earlier on that the prediction league remains the same as last week because none of us picked ramirez to beat hooker by ko so the scores remain exactly the same the prediction league will be back soon we're just kind of waiting for some bigger fight weeks to you know to come round um i as won't be back by next week's show so next week's show will once again be hosted by myself and one special guest uh, there has been a couple of pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show on the same lomachenko versus campbell undercard the one that will will feature huey fury against pavetkin we'll also get to see charlie edwards defend his wbc world flyweight title against the guy that not Andrew Selby, Julio Cesar Martinez Aguilar, and also Savannah Marshall has signed a promotional contract with Matchroom Sports. Um, obviously, seeing that Eddie Hearn has, has worked with Clarissa Shields once or twice, it would be great to see those ladies have a rematch in the pros. I'm guessing that will probably be the end goal, um, and that's probably what Eddie looks to deliver there. That would be exciting. But that is about everything from me this week. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend. This has been the Box Hard Podcast, the most international boxing podcast in the world, and the best podcast out there. You listeners make this show as great as it is. We shall see you all again next week, though, so take care and enjoy your week people.